0: Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Well, this feels very familiar. Hello, Dr. Jane.
1: Hello, Anna. It does feel good. Good to see you. Good to be back together again.
0: It certainly is good to be back together and sharing our thoughts and ideas. We've had discussions after finishing our initial 52 episodes regarding what to do next. We spoke about how those early episodes focused on managing life in the world of COVID sheltering, working from home, new demands, new family dynamics, isolation, disappointments, loss, grief, missed opportunities. Oh my goodness, the list goes on and on.
1: Well, Anna, you know, we certainly attempted to offer validation during that time, validation and support for all the abrupt and prolonged changes that we were all faced with. You know, we wanted people to have an emotional backup and some tools to thrive and flourish in all the demands that the pandemic thrust upon us all. You know, and, and we regularly urged people to turn toward the challenging times and realize that we we all carry gifts within us and that we're each more than we ever imagined.
0: Yes, and we stepped in with a flow of ideas and techniques that served to clarify our reactivity and negativity and all for suggestions to reduce the angst and anxiety that became all too familiar for many of us. I know we discussed we will be reintroducing several of those previous videos as a warm up for our ongoing self discovery.
1: But for now the question becomes where to next. Well now that's the question isn't it Anna. You know we certainly laid a foundation and in considering our next piece I really sense personally a call to deepen into our understanding and more importantly, you know, to deepen into our experience of what it is to be fully human. You know, you mentioned the term enlightenment in one of our discussions and uh, this refers to uh, spiritual insight. Uh, Enlightenment usually means to illuminate or, or to shed light on a truth or an experience. So, this of course could be Interpreted in in a multitude of ways.
0: Well, I'm sure there are more paths than I can even imagine. I like the idea of shedding light on something so that we can deepen our understanding of it. You know, we've always focused on a particular path to understanding what it is to be fully human in the best possible sense of that term. In so many of the episodes, we spoke of the best and highest part of ourselves.
1: That's right. That's right. You know, and I think we're at a point where only our direct experience, and that is the experience in the moment, will provide the content of the truth that, that we're seeking. So not just talking about things, but developing practices that put us into the experience, into that present moment experience of seeking and touching into and knowing the truth within us. You know, accessing the best and highest part of ourselves Is a process of stepping out of habitual patterns of thinking and behavior and and choosing what we often refer to as the high road. So this process is developed by practicing awareness and in the awareness of the moment, making the conscious choice to do the next right thing, which means that I recognize that there are alternatives, but I make a specific choice because I believe it's right. And as an ongoing practice, this can become a lifestyle which illuminates, really sheds light or enlightens all of our decisions. And this can act as an anchor for living from a code of honor and integrity and compassion. And in doing so, we're serving the good, the greater good of all. So my best self serves that, that greater good. Dr. Jane, what a gift. Yes, the gift of your best and highest self, Anna.
0: Yeah, so if we want to live this way more consistently, the question is, where do we start? I mean, we have 52 episodes that we might review, but it would be nice to have a sequence that lights the way for us and suggest what changes we might want to consider, you know, how we can support these necessary changes and share tools and practices that will help us align with the next right thing
1: you know, I think you're right, on I, I it makes sense to talk about um, the way to get there. You know it could be a map, a recipe of sorts, kind of the basic ingredients and directions for shifting out of old habits. You know, Anna, but um, oddly enough, you know, um, it it also needs to be customized. So we want to be able to have a certain certain process or protocol, but, We want to also account for individual differences, different preferences, different lifestyles. Um, It really could be kind of juicy, you know, and you're right. We pointed to these possibilities and practices in various ways in our first series, you know, always within the context of a theme of that particular episode. So I think examining the ingredients, you know, kind of the pieces, parts for change, you know, and learning the necessary skills and practices and how they fit into everyday life really makes perfect sense. Especially as as we experience new learning, you know, we're always faced with the tides of the old conditioning or old habits. And that really is the challenge.
0: Well, it does sound challenging and affirming. It feels like you're suggesting that we have what it takes to live from our best and highest self. It's discovering the skills to achieve it and then living it one day at a time, not
1: just lip service, Dr. Jane. Well, that's the bottom line, Anna. You know, and there are many paths. However, I've always preferred a path that is simple and straightforward, a path that has the potential to, with commitment, of course, become a life practice, you know, a way of interpreting our individual and collective worlds, that self and other. Um, so that we can do our part. You know, I I so often think about how important it is to leave our personal mark of love and appreciation and gratitude, you know, on everything and everyone we encounter. You know, this is the way we personally serve the best and greater good of all.
0: Wow, this sounds so lovely.
1: Well, it is lovely, Anna, but don't let the loveliness be deceiving. You know, this really isn't a path to be worked half-heartedly you know, yet I'm not suggesting a rigid approach either. There's nothing to conquer. You know, we're travelers in this one precious lifetime, you know, temporary residents. I often think of myself as a sojourner called to have the courage to find the best within, you know, and then to shine our light into the world. You know, the path and the practice that I'd like to share requires courage and open-hearted willingness to discover the territory of the present moment awareness right now in this moment and in doing so deepen our relationship to ourselves and the world and everything that's important to us.
0: Well, I love how you describe yourself as a sojourner, you know, so sounds wonderful. So when do we get started and how do we start?
1: Well, um, I'd like to continue our conversation about the quest to the best and highest parts of ourselves. However, first, I'd like to, to really explore a very simple and powerful quieting technique, a technique that quiets our physiology, you know, shifts, uh, shifts us out of tension and reactivity so that we can be more grounded and centered, really more receptive. You know, we have to get out of our heads for a while and off that train of our mind that runs 24 um, seven. We have to really step off of that train in order to experience another part of ourselves. So, quieting practices and later on, mindfulness practices create this field of receptivity. You know, we want to experience an openness so that we're better able to listen more deeply and discover other ways of knowing. You know, really drop into other perceptual gifts within us through our sensing, our five senses. And I think the body and the sensory capacity, um, I think of it oftentimes as a vessel of awareness. Um, It's a way of of accessing an internal GPS and that operating system within us involves an alert mind, alert and quiet mind, um, an open heart and a grounded body. And by having this, you know, we really are able to establish a foundation that supports a receptive flow receptive flow of creativity, of insights. It's all about a deeper knowing, Anna, that, that knowing from a wisdom part of ourselves, an intuitive part of ourselves.
0: Well, I am so ready.
1: Well, good. The quieting technique is one that we explored in earlier conversations, Anna, our first series, and it's called The Relaxation Response. Developed by Herbert Benson in the 1980s. It's a very simple, straightforward quieting technique. And it allows us to drop into that from that quietness, allows us to drop into that awareness so that we can engage more consciously. And we, we always start, and I'm, I'm going to just walk us through the preliminary uh, steps of it so that people can do it on their own. Because the key is that you set a timer for three to five minutes and then we move into allowing ourselves to experience our breath exactly as we find it. So we're allowing ourselves to feel the inhale and the exhale. We're experiencing the sensory part of that, how it enters the nose, the sensations of entering the nose, leaving as we move into the exhale and the out breath. And by focusing on this, and, and by the way, our thoughts are going to creep in and try to drag us away, but we really use our concentration first few moments just to focus on the breath. From there, we pick a word that means, you know, uh, uh, really doesn't have to mean too much of anything, but very often we find certain words that are comforting to us. It could be peace or relaxation, letting be, letting go or sometimes a two-part phrase like go let God and we can say those on the exhale so we pick a word or a phrase say it on the exhale our breathing starts to slow down but the focus is the word on the exhale extending it for the full extent of the exhale and allow thoughts to move in and out of our awareness when the timer goes off You allow yourself to discontinue the word, stay with your breath for a moment, and then you blink your eyes open and come back to life waiting for you, okay? But it's a quieting technique, and it provides that particular practice so that we can move into awareness and be more receptive.
0: Yes, it feels so good to settle into myself. You know, what better time to step onto a positive path that allows the best part of ourselves to come forward and flourish? Dr. Jane, this has been a difficult stretch personally, historically. We could all benefit from the actual hands on practices that support and nourish us. You mentioned before that this quest to access and nurture our best and highest self required open-heartedness. Can you explain a little more about this heart-centered component?
1: Sure, Anna. you know, let's put it in context. Um, As humans, you know, I think of us as a perfect design, you know, and yet we come without a manual, at least not in the usual sense. Um, So as we've talked about in other conversations, the human physiology, our physical selves, has an internal mechanism Designed specifically for our safety and our survival. You know, so we spend a good share of our existence maintaining our sense of safety, which is so often measured by our sense of comfort. You know we, we don't want to be too hot, we don't want to be too cold, too hungry, etc. Um, and so we often, in order to soothe our discomfort, we take the path of least resistance, and that's usually outside ourselves. We, we want to change something in the environment to remedy our discomfort. So we adjust the thermostat, we get a snack. These are the kind of things that, that we tend to do, right? Um, but we're also equipped with an internal mechanism that allows us to self regulate, self correct, and eventually rewire and heal, heal ourselves. That is amazing, isn't it? It is indeed. You know, and ideally, This inner process keeps running smoothly when it's supported and nourished by healthy relationships. And when I say healthy relationships, I'm talking about the relationship we have with ourselves, with our thoughts, with our feelings, also with other people, with nature, with the world around us, with information kind of coming at us. You know, however, it can be exceedingly difficult, you know, to get tuned into this internal part of ourselves. You know, gosh, Anna, there are just so many distractions to keep us focused in the external world rather than this internal world. You know, it feels easier to depend on attaining something outside of us to make us feel comfortable. And when these relationships that I'm talking about, you know, with self, with others, with nature, the world around us, when these are out of sync or when we're in reactivity, the disturbance is felt within ourselves and shows up in our connection or our disconnection with those other dimensions with those other relationships. So these fundamental relationships really were established, you know, early on in our development. You know, they include childhood experiences with caregivers and family schools, you know, the churches that we attended, the synagogues, mosques, really the community that that we developed in. You know, and it carries through all the way into our adulthood. You know, it shows up in our friendships, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, family, health providers, you know, the whole shoot and match.
0: And these relationships are very significant.
1: Yes, very much so. Very much so. You know, it's the foundation of our personal experience. So given that, they're really the lenses um, through which we see the world. You know, yet it's only part of the picture. This is only part of the picture. You know, and let's just take a a peek of the bigger picture. I mean, we're also part of the universe. Now, that's a big picture. Well, well, yes. Yeah. But, you know, of the entire universe is a system, and mankind is a part of that system and a system in and of itself. You know, we're an intricate web of interdependency. You know, however, somewhere along the way in the development of Western civilization, we've really lost our sense of this relational foundation. You know how we connect with others, you know, and and the fact that we really are part of a greater whole. You know, our, our, our culture has assumed the belief of um, rugged individualism. You know, it's kind of a narcissistic path, which romanticizes a track of personal success. You know, usually in the name of um, success, as I say, or progress or improvement, but it often disregards the welfare of others. You know, the greater good. So sometimes it's, it's it's pursued in the in the name of dominance or power or acquisition it could be acquisition again of success or achievement or land, wealth status, you know any of that stuff. Um, and we've lost our foundational connection with the life system in its entirety. So you know it, we've lost that that sense of you know the complete system you know and and what happens then is this ensuing sense of, separation, you know, and it puts us at odds with each other and various components of the world we live in. So we're so often estranged from natural resources, the climate, wildlife, you know, we're also estranged from others that we perceive as different from us. We kind of forfeited the broader sense of greater good by deliberately excluding certain categories of people, you know, so we kind of are in this paradigm of us and them. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I guess it's no small wonder that we're experiencing a planetary crisis along with the pandemic crisis. Seems like we're lo- we've lost our way. Well, you know, it would seem so.
1: Yet most people historically and also um, today aren't even aware that they've lost their way. I mean, we're merely following the dictates of the time of early conditioning, as I said before. You know, politics, religious dogma. You know, sometimes it's a lack of exposure to differing differing ideologies or that um, sense of certain ideologies would be um, not condoned or persecuted. Today, most of us in the Western world are driven by a sense of entitlement and comfort. You know, we want what we want when we want it. Um, And in our quest to cultivate a direct experience with our best and highest self, you know, we need to understand that we're not talking about merely personal success and achievement we're really stepping back from self-serving ideas and behaviors, and we're looking to discover a sacred connection that is inherent in that sense of honor, integrity, and compassion. You know, this part of us really guides us to act according to the next right thing. You know, it's a position that just quite necessarily allows us to open to the breadth and the depth of what it means to be whole you know, a whole person, a whole person in relationship with others who are whole, you know, um, to ourselves, obviously, and also a relationship to the infinite pieces and parts of the world around us. You know, we begin to experience the wholeness. And in this process, you know, it really can be considered sacred. It really is a holy experience. Our awareness allows
0: us to see the big picture and supports us doing the next right thing.
1: Yes, it does, Anna. You know, and it brings to mind um, one of my favorite, um, really, heroes, you know, Viktor Frankl. And we spoke of him in previous conversations. But he has this wonderful quote. And he says, between the stimulus and the response is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And you know, Anna, this is where conscious choice can occur. Choosing to do the next right thing. You know, it's in the moment between what just happened and what I do next. You know, it's the path. This is the path to that best part of myself. You know, deepening into this awareness in the moment is the key. Actually, it's the imperative, you know, ongoing, ever expanding awareness, along with a willingness to participate, you know, to act in accordance with the wholeness, with the wholeness, the allness. You know, we can consider wholeness as synonymous with the greater good. You know, it's inclusive, it's all, it's everything, it's everyone, it's us. Every person, sentient being, um, element of the natural world, really needs to be considered in this glorious whole. You know, it's definitely, definitely the road less traveled, Anna. You know, and, and yet I believe it's time well spent in, as Mary Oliver, the poet, says, this one precious life.
0: Oh, one precious life for sure. Well, I would think so. And it has the ring of mission impossible. Yet I'm drawn into it, you know, to ex- to that experience of firm footing on a path that seeks to live from my, the best of me and considers the well-being of others, just saying it, feeling into it. I experience a pull, you know, a willingness, like you said, a call to take the idea and feeling and move forward
1: well, and move into action, you know, I should well, say. Well, Ana, you're saying yes. You're saying yes. <laughs> That's lovely. You're saying yes. Yes, I
0: am. I guess I am. Absolutely. No, actually, no guessing about it. Yes, definitely, I am. What do you suggest that we do until we meet again to stay with this path?
1: Well, I think the you know, as I mentioned before, it is so so important that we learn how to quiet ourselves so that we can begin to identify the awareness in the moment. So practicing the relaxation response that we talked about, three to five minutes every day, to actually turn the timer on, go to our breath, settle in, find the words, say it on the exhale, allow ourselves to, to keep the thoughts moving, don't attach to them, stay with the breath, stay with the word, and then when we finish, the end of three to five minutes, to allow ourselves to let go of the word, but to stay with our breathing, to stay with the quietness and begin to expand our sensory experience, you know, noticing what I'm, what I'm sensing in my body, feeling my hands, my feet, where I'm contacting the, the floor if I'm lying down or the chair if I'm seated, you know, and notice how I'm pulled into that thought stream, just kind of noticing those components I think that's important, really allowing this relaxation response, the quieting technique, to begin to allow us to have the sensations so that I can access the inner part of myself. And the other thing I would suggest, along with the relaxation response, would be notice during the week. Don't make it a point to notice several times that space between something that happens and our response to it. Noticing that. And then noticing did I choose the response? Did I choose it consciously? Or was I in a reactive place where I reacted to it very spontaneously according to old habits and old ways of thinking? So the relaxation response and turning into the space between the stimulus and the response, those two things would be helpful throughout the week. So we can move on to the next section.
0: I absolutely love this, Dr. Jane. I'm so happy we're back together and looking forward to getting started on this incredible journey with you. Until our next conversation.
1: Thank you. Thank you,
0: Anna.